Hey, what's going on there, podcast community? Welcome back to another episode of Dementia in Black and White. In this week's episode, we are going to discuss an article from a Harvard periodical talking about ways in which you can not avoid, but maybe slow the progression of dementia and Alzheimer's. Let's get into it today. Taking some steps that we can do to be proactive. That's our topic on this week's episode of Dementia in Black and White. So this week, I'll source this information where I am getting it from Harvard Health Publishing, Harvard Medical School, a couple of different articles, one titled Sleeping Five Hours or Less May Raise Dementia Risk. That's dated July 1st, 2021. And then one from a couple of years ago, What Can You Do to Avoid Alzheimer's Disease? And that's July 31st of 2019. Both articles there on Harvard's website. You can check that out. And this information will likely not surprise anyone in terms of what you can do to decrease your risk around Alzheimer's. And I guess they're might even saying getting it in the first place, but certainly slowing its progression if you were to be diagnosed with it. And there are things that really we should be doing anyway in terms of increasing our health numbers across the board. So just real quick, and I'll go through each of these uh, in a little more detail, but you know what I'm going to say. Exercise, eat right, and get enough sleep. Those are the three primary things. If you are having an issue in any one of those areas, you are probably experiencing Other symptoms, maybe not even related to dementia or mild cognitive impairment, but blood pressure issues, diabetes or regulation of your sugar issues, lack of energy or motivation issues. There are probably other issues that are going on in your life for which these three things, an increase in exercise, eating healthy and getting sleep will help improve in any area of your life. So though this is a podcast about dementia, and in particular how dementia affects the black community, this podcast today really could be for anyone who's listening who has any type of concern regarding health, because I would imagine that if you do the things we're going to talk about today, you will likely have uh, just all-around positive outcomes in the area of your brain health, but also other parts of your physical and mental health. So exercise. The suggestion here, the recommendation is to exercise 30 minutes of moderately vigorous aerobic activity three to four times per week. And I have also heard that Really, especially if this is coming from absolute couch potato to now I'm going to start exercising. Maybe even you start off in breaking that up into two 15 minute intervals or three 10 minute intervals to get your 30 minutes in. And then as you get comfortable with 30 minutes, three or four times a week, 
increase that to 30 minutes five to six times per week. And then perhaps increase that to 45 minutes five or six times per week. But start slowly because the one thing you don't want to do is to beat yourself up for starting this new thing where you're going to exercise, eat right, and get enough sleep and go do it all at once. And you get started and have a failure rate that's pretty high. And then you just leave it alone and don't do anything at all. Much like at the beginning of the year, well, what are you doing for your New Year's resolution? Well, I'm going to join a gym and I'm going to run a marathon. When? Next month? No, you're not. Not going to have them, Gavin. We try to put too much up front. Do little things. If you are watching Netflix and chilling every day, just plan to exercise five minutes tomorrow. Go for a walk. Instead of parking right in front at the closest space you can get and driving around and waiting 15 minutes to get the absolute closest space at the grocery store, park at the furthest space from the grocery store and add a little extra walking in there. Walk to the mailbox, assuming your mailbox isn't in your front yard. Walk around the neighborhood. The dog wants to go for a walk. Walk the dog a little further than you normally walk. Dog would appreciate it. Trust me when I tell you. And your body will appreciate it as well. Start small is the key for this. And in that way, you can be consistent. For me, it is a route in the neighborhood that's, and it's not a 30-minute walk, actually. It's about a 20, 25-minute walk, just over a mile. And it has some hills to it. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out a way to extend that now. But I try to do that at least three times a week. I'm not really regularly doing four, five times a week. But I also cut the grass, which ends up giving me, you know, just have a walk behind lawnmower. So that ends up giving me about the same amount of steps that I would get on that 20 minute walk. And I end up sweating, you know, particularly at this time of year when it's the summer. I do get a good workout, not a workout, but a good little exercise or aerobic activity in in that way. And of course, inside treadmills and bicycles, stationary bicycles, those are all good. But to the extent you can get outside, really, and enjoy some of the fresh air, enjoy some of the sun. Of course, a side benefit of walking for 30 minutes outside is getting some vitamin D Generally speaking, particularly coming out of the winter months, and if you're in the Northeast, you are deficient more than likely in vitamin D. So anytime you can get outside, that's the thing to do. So exercising, absolutely. Eating a Mediterranean diet. This is something that I guess there's been some research that shows that if you eat a Mediterranean diet, that that can help you to slow down the progression of Alzheimer's. So what is a Mediterranean diet? It says that this diet includes fresh vegetables, fruits, whole grains, olive oil, nuts, legumes, fish, moderate amounts of poultry, eggs and dairy, moderate amounts of red wine. For those of you who say, I just don't want to give up my wine for any diet. Well, this diet might be for you. And then it includes red meat sparingly. So it really sounds like with this, you can eat pretty much a little bit of everything as long as it is in moderation. Now, there of course, going to be some cutbacks. If you are a red meat and pork eater, you're going to have to cut back 
in that area. It's talking about whole grains. So if you're used to eating a bunch of pre-packaged desserts and such with white sugar and white flour, you might have to cut that out. But there is a MIND diet, M-I-N-D, and I believe that is one of these Mediterranean diets that I've come across in just doing my research for Alzheimer's. And it's uh, something that will give you a little breakdown about what you eat in a particular meal, and maybe you can find some recipes that would fit into this category. And so certainly it's uh, it's a, probably a big change for a lot of people to eat a Mediterranean diet. But even if you don't do all of this, but you do some of this, you start to at least become more mindful of what you're intaking. The chances are real good that you'll see some benefits again, not doing everything all at once, but taking baby steps. So maybe if you're eating red meat five days a week, Try to cut that down to three days a week and then two days a week and then one day a week. I personally, when I started to come to the realization that I'm going to be involved with taking care of my mother more, I did do not a Mediterranean diet, but just started to eat healthier in terms of more fruits and vegetables and intermittent fasting. And it resulted in a 30 pounds uh, weight loss during the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic. So while people were putting on the quarantine or the COVID-19 pounds, I was actually going in the other direction. And so far, fingers crossed, uh, that's been over a year and I'm uh, still okay. I haven't you know, put back on that weight, though I'm not really doing any diet other than I've still not added back red meat. So I haven't had red meat on any regular basis in over a year. And that's been good. Eating more salmon and fish and then more fruits and vegetables. So haven't really gotten into whole grains completely. Still eat that white sugar. Still have a slice of pound cake. If somebody makes it, I'm still going to have a slice. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, baby steps, like I said, baby steps. And I've noticed, by the way, an increase in my energy just from the little bit that I've done in terms of cutting back on the red meat, cutting back on the dairy products. I used to wake up in the morning with this just excessive amount of dry film around my eyes, that crust, but just more of it than the average person. None of that. Don't have that anymore. Right? And I think that might be related to dairy. It could be related to red meat. Not sure exactly what it's related to, but I don't have that. I used to have this ear wax build up, particularly in my left ear for whatever reason, not sure why. But once I've changed my eating habits, I noticed that I don't have that anymore. So there have been some benefits to being a healthier eater that, you know, the things that I just thought were with me, you know, these changes that have been happening in my life in terms of my health. And I've, you know, pretty much set it aside as well. It's just getting older. So you're going to have more eye build up. You're going to have more wax build up. Not necessarily. There, any Anytime your body is changing and giving you symptoms of things, the chances are real good that this is related to some sign or some red flag that your body is trying to tell you you are intaking too much of this 
and we as a body parts, our body parts are having problems processing it. Our liver perhaps is working overtime to process something that we're getting in excess. And if we just cut that back, then, you know, you won't have extra wax coming out your ears or whatever. Not a doctor, not a medical person, by the way, I'm reading from Harvard Medical School's information, but adding my own personal commentary. So by all means, before you change a diet, before you start a rigorous exercise routine, consult with your medical professional. And then the last big bullet point it talks about is getting enough sleep, getting enough sleep. And they quote this study that was done in February of 2021 by the journal Aging that says 2,600 adults age 65 or older participated in this study. And those who slept less than five hours per night had almost double the risk of being diagnosed with dementia over five years compared with those who slept the recommended seven to nine hours of sleep. So there's another reason to get enough sleep. Of course, we really should get, for me, it's like six to seven hours is what I like to get every night. Unfortunately, I am not an individual who has that big of a deal going to sleep unless there's something real exciting or important going on for me the next day. I'm usually able to lay down within 30 minutes, get to sleep and sleep easy six hours, most nights seven to eight hours. That's my uh, thing. And I know for some people that is not if you have sleep apnea, of course, you want to get that checked out, treat it, get a CPAP, get whatever you need to help you with that. But I would imagine exercising and eating right might even help with that because you could very well improve your ability to sleep if you you know, lose a few pounds and you're exercising, which is, you know, getting your body prepared to want to rest through the night. And of course, rest is important. People talk about taking naps and a short 20 minute nap is not a bad idea. Three, four hour naps, not a good idea because then that's going to disrupt your evening sleep. It'll be difficult for you to get seven to nine hours which I thought strange. I don't hadn't heard nine hours before, but I guess these people were 65 and older. So maybe the older you get, then the more sleep even that you want to have versus the, the six to seven hours, which I typically have heard and typically get. And then, so those were the top three things, exercise, eating healthy and the Mediterranean diet specifically, and then getting enough sleep. A couple of other things that they mentioned here is to learn new things in that way it stimulates the brain so if you hadn't done crossword puzzles do crossword puzzles if you uh, thought about i'd like to learn a new language that's a good thing to do going online or getting some course and learning some new skill maybe you thought about doing a building a website or learning some coding or whatever it is, learning something new, signing up for a class. I just recently signed up for this class to learn about elder mediation, being a mediator for uh, individuals uh, who have issues with the family around Medicare or should my loved one go into a nursing home or stay home? These types of things, as you know, from a previous podcast, that's the type of work I do 
anyway in my full time job. So just learning about this field, elder care mediation. And so I'm going to take a class in that It's a two week class where I'll have a certification in that. And so that's the type of thing that you want to do the things that interest you, things that, you know, quilting, whatever, anything that you think will be something new that will challenge you. And then that keeps that brain activity going. Absolutely. That is something that you should do. The research it says here, it's, you know, not a solid about that, but it just makes good common sense to do that. And again, what better way to keep your interest levels up and keep yourself engaged than to learn something new. And another thing it says to do is to connect socially. It says that we think greater social contact helps prevent Alzheimer's. Again, that information is only from observational studies, no hard, fast studies. At least that's what they're saying here in this article. But I would think there's some truth to that, that if you are in isolation, of course, you know about prison. The punishment for prison is to put you in isolation in a cell by yourself where you have no contact for 23 hours in a day with other people. And really, that's cruel and inhumane punishment. There have been studies about that, that to be isolated will make you lose your mind. Essentially, so certainly the opposite end of that spectrum, connecting with people socially. And here, even though it says connect socially, I'm going to stretch out and say they're not talking about social media necessarily, but connecting with actual human beings in an actual real setting, either virtually or um, in person, probably better in person that. That's a way to connect, Uh, but just going on your Facebook and posting on your Instagram from the senior home about how many people you're dating or whatever. No, that's not where we're going here, but to really have interaction and some quality interaction, maybe playing some games, playing a game of spades, some bid whiz with your friends, that type of thing, socializing and getting together with people is another way. Of just sort of at least what this is saying is preventing and reducing the time in which Alzheimer's might set in. So just a couple of points there. A little different podcast today. Normally we're talking about you have it or you're a caregiver and this is what you need to do. And even though this is for people who might think they're at risk for Alzheimer's, again, I would say even for the caregivers, whether or not you're at risk, this is a way to help you to Be a better caregiver if you are healthy and you're exercising and you're eating right. And you're still, you know, learning new things. You're going to be in a better position to care for your loved one as well. So thank you folks for listening. Appreciate you stopping by Dementia in black and white. Until next time, absolutely take care of your loved one. That's important. But even more important than that. Take care of yourself. I'm out.